Good afternoon, Mets fans, and welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show for this Sunday, June 11th, 2016. I'm JB, riding solo this afternoon. Glad to have each and every one of you with us today, and uh, we're going to be spending most of the time in here on an abbreviated edition of the Happy Recap, talking to our good friend Joe DeMeo, Port St. Lucie to Flushing, and uh, he'll be uh, going over his personal Super Bowl uh, the MLB draft, specifically the Mets portion of it, and get his take on a new giant uh, swath of Mets minor leaguers coming in. We'll find out who has the most potential, who has the possibility to surprise, and who may or may not join the team. We'll talk to Joe in just a moment here on the Happy Recap Radio Show. Lots of injury things going on, and certainly uh, um, we've got the uh, Kelly Johnson trade this week. Um, as he returns to the Mets after a, a brief soiree into the minor leagues we call the Atlanta Braves. And um, good to have Kelly back with us, feeling the impact of his bat. I think we all know the Mets need to do more, and they have to do more if they're going to stay in this thing. However, the fact that they've been able to pick up James Loney and Kelly Johnson during the month of June and late May when virtually nothing is available on the trade market is actually quite, quite impressive. And as we travel the next six or so weeks, as we get closer to the, the uh, June trading deadline, uh, we'll certainly see what it will take to get some of the bigger pieces. And uh, I know a lot of people uh, like the name Jonathan Lucroy. I happen to be one of them. Um, some of the names you hear tossed around, though, are just not uh, not acceptable. I mean, certainly uh, um, Michael Conforto, not dealing in for Lucroy. Uh, Zach Wheeler, very hesitant to deal in for Lucroy. And somebody like a Ahmed Rosario or uh, um, somebody of that ilk, uh, Dominic Smith, um, I'm certainly more likely to part with Dominic Smith, despite the fact I really, really like his game. Um, I really like his defense. I like what he brings to the table as a plate. He's not a power hitter, and Joe will talk about that here in a moment. But um, he's certainly not the power hitter that they thought he would be. But I, I really like him as a singles and doubles guy, high average, good defense at first base. It would be painful to part with him. But certainly that would probably be part of the deal. So, um, you know, it depends. What do you consider reasonable for a Jonathan Lucroy? And, and in this market, with a player-friendly deal like uh, that um, Lucroy has, the cost on him is going to be high because the Brewers do not have to trade him at this time. It's been nice to see him this weekend, kind of get a feel for him. But, uh, you know, somebody of that ilk is what the, you know, the fans are demanding. But as we get closer and closer to Travis Darno returning in the next week or so, um, you know, preferably wrapped in bubble wrap, as many fans have suggested, we're going to look at a situation where Darno really has a next month or so to show that he can stay on the field the remainder of the season. I think, um, you know, this is kind of, I don't want to say the last chance for Travis Darno, but uh, certainly um, it is the opportunity to prove that he can be an everyday player and to prove he can do it behind the plate. Uh, I do think uh, you, you know, when he is recalled, um, potentially as soon as uh, next weekend, uh, but um, you you will see the demotion of Kevin Ploiecki, and uh, I, I think most Met fans, myself included, will be thankful to see that happen. I think Rene Rivera has more than proved himself to be a capable Major League backup and should be and is getting a good amount of starts right now, though quite frankly I thought that... Um, you know, the Ploiecki got too many starts in Milwaukee this weekend, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we'll also see how things play out with uh, Michael Conforto and his wrist injury, uh, Neil Walker and his uh, stiff back. I know he wants to get back you know, against Pittsburgh, and hopefully uh, he's not celebrating too heavily the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins winning the uh, Stanley Cup. But, um, 
you know, we want to see we want to see this lineup healthy. And the fact of the matter is, right now, what the Mets are putting out is not by any means, shape, or form, a healthy lineup. Uh, getting Travis Darno would be back. You know, again, getting them back, and you know, par for the course. Um, you know, get well wishes, of course, to uh, uh, Terry Collins, who found himself in the hospital today for on precautionary reasons uh, for illnesses he experienced before the game. So. You know, as most bet fans would go, well, yeah, they make me want to throw up these days. Uh, I don't think that was the case with Terry Collins. That, and any time a, a person is taken to the hospital, you, you try not to make uh, an immense amount of, uh, you know, levity about it. Uh, but uh, you certainly hope uh, that a good classy guy like Terry is back in, in, in the dugout where he belongs. Um, although uh, I heard that he did watch today's game from the hospital and hope they did not take his blood pressure during that game because I think all of us would say, um, you know, that w- that was by all means and one of the worst games the Mets have played all season. Uh, it was sloppy on the base pass. It was sloppy in the infield. It was sloppy in the outfield. Throws were sloppy. Pitches were sloppy. It was just a pathetic ball game and certainly one of the toughest to watch. And so you know, you, you look back at this game and you go, mm, glad that one is over. And uh, with the you know with the schedule continuing onward. Uh, we have you know a good amount of games left. Um, the season's not even half over, but the key right now, apart from you know looking potentially ahead to that trade deadline, is uh, getting this team healthy. And certainly having an off day tomorrow uh, will help towards that. Um, you, you wonder how much it will help, but um, it will uh, certainly get the the pitching back in line. Uh, certainly having Logan Verrett pitch yesterday. Uh, who's now, of course, been uh, demoted to the minor leagues. Uh, Eric Goodell getting the call up today. You figured that there was had to be a roster change coming up with uh, how burned out the uh, the uh, uh, bullpen has gotten over the last couple of days, especially yesterday, um, with uh, Verrett not being able to go all that far and the Mets being shorthanded in the pen to begin with to the point where at one point you saw Jason DeGrom wandering around out there, who is, of course, Tuesday's starters. Tuesday's starter, I should say. Uh, three games against the Pirates coming up this week. And then, of course, uh, we've got the Braves coming in for three, or as I like to call them, AAA Braves. Um, and uh, then uh, two games against the, uh, the uh, it pains me to say this, the reigning world champion uh, Kansas City Royals before a trip to forward to Atlanta to face the Braves again. And then uh, a very challenging week, the week of the 27th, as you head to uh, D.C. for three against the Nationals and uh, four against the Cubs at home. So that's that's the big test coming up. Uh, the Mets need to pick up some momentum here. Uh, they they definitely need to um, get their themselves as healthy as possible. Um, as between now and the All Star break, again, like I said, you've got uh, you've got that week of the twenty seventh where the Nationals, the Cubs, you've got. Uh, Three, three against the Marlins, and you got four at home against the Nationals to take you into the All-Star break. Um, and then you come out of the All-Star break with the Phillies and the Cubs. And, uh, you know, the Phillies, while they certainly are not at the hot team that they were um, going into, uh, you know, the, the parts of the season that we've uh, seen early in the in, on in the game, they still seemingly have the Mets number at this point. So while they continue to drift down the standings, you hope that we get a different Philadelphia Philly team uh, by that point. But again, when you have the Cubs for three in Chicago right after the All-Star break, after three in Philadelphia, 
you still you, you gotta you gotta hope that this is a team that is either healthy or on the verge or about to or just dealing with the influx of um, new talent that hopefully Sandy and company would import so as to um, improve this team. And certainly John Rico, when announcing the Kelly Johnson trade this year, kind of uh, this week, I should say, did uh, in fact talk a little bit about that and say that they understand what they have, they understand the goal is to win it all, and and uh, you know it basically saying we're not sitting on our butts. And I think that's important to remember. I think that's important to uh, look at as as you look at this uh, month of June and into July pan out here. That I, I firmly believe that uh, the Sandy Alderson that we saw last July and his willingness to bring in Uribe, his willingness to bring in Johnson, his willingness to bring in um, Addison Reed, to bring in O'Flaherty, which obviously didn't pan out, to bring in um, you know, other players that uh, bring up Conforto. Um, you know, the changes he was willing to make midstream on a team that looked like it might have some potential um, I think is definitely gives me hope. Um, there are a lot of questions, I think, no matter how this season plays out, there are a lot of questions that we'll be asking on this show and certainly that the fan base will be asking, regardless if the Mets win the World Series or, or fall short of the playoffs. Um, obviously, the Travis Darno question will remain an issue. Um, can he be our everyday catcher? What do you have with David Wright? Will he even play a game between now and the end of the season? Uh, Lucas Duda, can you keep putting up with one out of every six weeks being acceptable from him? Um, you know, these are major questions. Who's playing second base next year? Um, do you ponder the idea of extending Walker? Uh, I, you know, do you give the job to Delson Herrera, um, who's certainly having a good year at at uh, AAA? He's certainly acting like he's the heir apparent. He still is. I know some people have given up on him, but the reality of it is his age dictates that you cannot give up on this kid um i'm just not a believer in giving up on you know somebody who was born in 1994 um you know he's 22 years old he'll be 23 by opening day next year uh, i just have a hard time giving up on a kid that young um now giving him the everyday the everyday starting second baseman job next year a little nervous always am but, um, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, I'm certainly open to the idea of, you know, something continuing to happen with Neil Walker. But I would hope that if the Mets do uh, choose to um, make Delson Herrera the everyday second baseman by default coming out of the season, that, um, you know, that they would bring some veteran reinforcement, somebody of the ilk of a Kelly Johnson uh, uh, in next year to kind of be a backup and a mentor, etc., all of those things. So you've got a lot of question marks with this team, but I do believe that uh, you know those questions they can wait. We got to see what we have with this year's team, and it's hard to tell. I know EJ talks a lot of times, uh, talked a lot of times about how you kind of assess a team at Memorial Day, and I I tend to agree with that. But I also feel like in this scenario, with the how hurt this team has been, it's really hard to totally tell what we have right now. Um, I do believe we have a very streaky team, and I think that it, you know if if Conforto, if Wright, if Duda, um, and Darno were all healthy, I think you would see. Unfortunately, that be a very consistent uh, pattern. Um, I do think we have a very streaky team. Bullpens can be streaky. Rotations can be streaky. Certainly, a bad a bad start today for Steve Matz. 
Um, but uh, the um, the reality of it is, I think this is a better team than it is worse. I think the good streaks will outlast the bad streaks, but we're going to see win six, lose four. Uh, win seven, lose five. Um, that's just, I really think that that's, and, and not necessarily in a row, but, you know, win seven out of ten, lose five out of ten. You know, that kind of that kind of scenario. Um, you're going to see people with 0 for 39s <laughs> or, you know, whatever Michael Conforto is doing, I mean, over the last six weeks. I mean, you're going to see people... You know, over two weeks, drop 40 points off their batting average. I just think that's the team that uh, Sandy Alderson has assembled. Um, you don't have a Daniel Murphy type in this lineup. Um, I know that's, you know, I'm not advocating that he should have been retained. Uh, but hypothetically, you should have probably brought in, a, I mean, you need a couple of guys like that in your lineup. That is 100% how the Kansas City Royals won the World Series last year. They singled and doubled us to death. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They singled and doubled fastballs. They always were able to drive in. I mean, if you got on base with the Royals last year in that World Series, you just, as a Met fan, you kind of go, they're going to score. That run's going to come around. They shouldn't let anybody get on base there. But that run's going to come around. And more times than not, unfortunately, it did. Um, I kind of feel like, while I completely believe in the plan that, that Sandy has put forward, I feel like perhaps... Maybe nothing was learned from that World Series, and I, I feel like having a lineup devoid of that type of bat is what is going to hurt this team long term. Now that being said, you know I, I, that that bat is out there, and it's a matter of will they pay the price, and that's Jonathan Lucroy. Um, and he's a guy that can play catcher, and he's a guy that can play first base. You could still, if if you're not 100% confident in Travis Darno, um, you know he's a good guy to have in the, in there. But, um, you know, it is one of those moments where Sandy Alderson will have to ask and answer the question, is this your Mike Piazza moment? And what I mean by that is not that Jonathan Lucroy is at all Mike Piazza. Not even close. Because we all know, we're Mets fans, there is but one Mike Piazza, and he played the game, and he ain't playing the game anymore. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame catcher, a Hall of Fame bat, you cannot just be, quote-unquote, another Mike Piazza. But what I do mean is the Mets had a perfectly good catcher, you know, while I wasn't a fan uh, for reasons that eventually came out in a, a certain report of, uh, of Mr. Hundley, uh, the Mets had a regular everyday catcher who was coming off an injury um, but by all means was expected to resume the statistical path that he had been on. And yet the Mets went out and got Mike Piazza. That's the point. Is when you have a perfectly good player, but you realize you can make a significant upgrade, even if it's a position you already consider a strength, that you can make a move of strength to improve a position of strength. Because there is nobody in baseball that will tell me right now, today, and I don't mean because of the injury, but performing at peak performance... I got to take Jonathan Lucroy over Travis Darno any day. Now I realize he's older. I realize he only has two years left before he's a free agent. I understand all those things. But Travis Darno has a lot to prove to me in the next six weeks. I'm a fan of Travis. I like Travis. I love his swing. I have been following him since he came into the organization. I like this kid. I just don't trust him to stay healthy 
and that's not entirely necessarily his fault, but it is definitely a very real feeling. And so I feel like the Mets really need to keep an eye on that over the next six weeks. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, enough of my ranting and raving and uh, my commentary for the week. I'm sure I've bored you all to tears, and I appreciate you sticking with me through it. It's time to turn now to our conversation with Joe DeMeo. You're listening to the Happy Recap Radio Show. I'm JB, and joining me is Joe DeMeo. Of course, uh, the Super Bowl for him has been this week. Uh, that is, of course, the MLB draft, and we want to talk about that and see if we can't uh, get a few questions in on other things Met minor league related. Let's start off with that, Joe. I know with a lot of the struggles that Mets have been going through so far this season, a lot of people have been clamoring, is there help on the farm? I kind of feel like I know the answer to it, but I want to hear it from an authority. Is there any help? Nothing I would trust right now, I'll tell you, to come up and play a substantial role. Um, there's obviously talent in the farm, and there's talent that is probably not in the far too distant future of being helpful, potentially Brandon Nimmo, Gavin Cicchini, guys like that. But uh, I, I think the people clamoring for TJ Rivera, which I can't tell you how many times that pops into my mentions, and I don't know how many times I have to tell people that TJ Rivera is seriously no better than Eric Campbell. You know, and I think the thing about it, I mean, I, I kind of feel like Eric Campbell, and I know EJ has talked about the same thing, how he's he's a guy who is seriously, seriously overexposed, who potentially could be useful, probably not on a championship caliber team, but perhaps on a lesser known th- uh, r- roster. Any trade chips potentially for any major acquisitions at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it really depends how willing they are to trade anything. I mean, Dominic Smith has some value. Zach Wheeler certainly has value if they want to go that route. Maybe, you know, some teams might like Brandon Nemo, but I mean, it's ultimately kind of what they want. Ahmed Rosario certainly has a very, very lot of value. So, I mean, it kind of depends if they want to make a major move or not, which I kind of question if they really want to make a major move. Like, uh, you know, everyone's talking Jonathan Lucroy, but I think, you know, if Travis Darno comes back, they're going to at least give him a whirl and see, you know, how long they can get him to stay on the field. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the nice thing is he's coming back. It, it should be back shortly, but uh, coming back with at least enough time between now and the deadline to kind of have a good idea, at least health-wise, what you're looking at with him yeah. the rest of the season. Uh, talk Tom exactly. Smith real fast. A lot of people, of course, have kind of clamored with the injuries to Lucas Duda and the fact that James Loney is now our everyday first baseman, which is certainly mm-hmm. an upgrade over Eric Campbell. Uh, but you know, there's not a lot more you can say about it than that. The uh, yeah. the, the the clamor, of course, has been well, why can't Dom Smith be like Michael Conforto? And we'll talk about Conforto here in a second. But explain to folks why Dom Smith can't be the next Michael Conforto and jump from Double A. Michael Conforto, in my opinion, is a absolute future superstar. So I wouldn't, I would uh, definitely avoid comparing anyone to Conforto because as long as I've been doing this, so you're talking oh four, oh five, oh six, somewhere in that range. Uh, Conforto is the best Mets hitter I've seen in person in the minor leagues. And I don't think it's even particularly close. So uh, I, I think he's very he's very special. But as far as Dom Smith goes, I just think at this point he he just he's just not as polished as he needs to be. Uh, he's still still waiting on balls too much. He's uh, I want to see him be aggressive because I he has, he's not hitting the home runs, but he does it in BP. He has a natural loft to his swing. Everything about Dom Smith suggests he should have power. But for whatever reason, in game, he's just maybe it's just not confident enough to be aggressive enough to just inside fastball, just turn on it and, you know, use your natural loft and knock it 380 feet away. So 
uh, as far as like he can play first base defensively, I, I have no qualms. His, his he's very very good with his glove and he's got a very good arm. So you know, if any case where the first baseman needs to throw, you know, World Series last year, uh, Dumpster can throw the baseball. So I I, I still have some hope left for Dumpster. A lot of people have given up on him, but I think at this point I'm starting to think he might end up being more just a uh, high doubles guy, walks, and defense. I don't think he's I, I get I don't, I don't think he's going to turn into the power eye unless uh, something approach wise changes. Now, uh, last question before we turn to the draft. Michael Conforto has let, let's let's be polite and say he struggled mightily these last six weeks or so. What do you feel like is not clicking with Conforto? And uh, some people are you know, saying that perhaps a a trip to Las Vegas might do him good. How are your feelings on him staying at the major league level to work these things out? I would I would give him some more time. I think I think he's going to be able to work it out. He's people. I think people need to realize he sh- shouldn't be in the major leagues at this point, realistically, just based on like the normal developmental rate of prospects. He shouldn't even be in the major leagues, let alone he was a big time contributor at the end of last year in the playoff run. He was a huge contributor and he was very good for a stretch, you know, here. I think he's just going through a slump for a guy who is not experienced in the major leagues. It's a very common thing. So I- I'd like to give him some more time. I know they're saying there's something with his wrist, I don't really know the ins and outs of that per se, but as far as development goes, I'd try to let him work it out at the major league level kind of as long as you can. I'm, it's one of those things that if you send them down, are you just going to, like, what is Laguerre's just going to play every day and says this is done in in center, and then Laguerre's playing with the torn thumb, or Alejandro Diaz is going to play every day. So I'd certainly, I, I'd give Conforto as long a leash as, possible and then if it gets if it gets too bad then obviously you have to make a move but i'm thinking he's 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 just going through a rough patch here and i'm thinking he'll get through it he's really very very talented he knows what he's doing at the plate he's just going through a rough rough time here so of course football fans have the super bowl movie fans have the oscars movie fan music fans have the grammys you have the mlb draft let's talk mets and how they did in the draft let's start at the top with uh the first pick justin dunn how do you feel about him Oh, I, 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 I can tell you that I believe the Mets wanted to draft Blake Rutherford, who went to pick before the Mets to the Yankees. But Justin Dunn is certainly no slouch of a consolation prize. I, I didn't expect him to even be available at this point, to be honest with you. He'd probably be a top 15 pick, you know, somewhere maybe in the 12 to 15 range. But he made it to 19, and it's armed, It's an arm to be very excited about. He's He's got a build very similar to, like, Jordano Ventura. So he's, you know, 6'2", 6'3" buck 75 maybe something like that so he's like a little taller and lanky so he's got that kind of build but he, he has a fastball that he can pump up to 98 99 in short spurts i watched him the other day his curveball flashes plus i think it's just a little inconsistent the slider is average to maybe a, a tick above and the changeup is about average so you're talking about a guy that spent a lot of time as a closer at boston college so he's gonna have a fresh arm which is a positive but at the same time, he also doesn't have as much experience with the pitches. So you're going to be able to really work with him. And I think really refine that, especially if, you know, if he ever makes it to the big leagues and Dan Worthen's still around, you know, he could really work with him on the slider, the Worthen slider. But uh, no, I, I love Justin Dunn. I think, I think it was a very good pick. If his body, you know, cooperates, you're looking at a guy that could be a number three starter. 
maybe at the big league level. And then if it doesn't work out because of the buy that he needs to move to the bullpen, you have certainly a high leverage bullpen piece that can probably hit 99, maybe even a hundred in short spurts with, with a really good curveball. So yeah, I, I was a big fan of the Dunn pick. And uh, let's move on down to the, uh, the compensation pick, or some people called it the Dan, Daniel Murphy Memorial pick, uh, <laughs> Anthony Kay from the university of Connecticut. And of course, obviously he, you know, like a few of these guys, he's got some familiar roots. Yeah, I mean he's he's in, he went to college in my state, so you know pretty cool. But uh, yeah, he's he's from Steve Mass's high school. The Mets drafted him out of high school actually in the 29th round, and uh, failed to sign him. And he moved on to go to Connecticut, where he was the ace of the Husky staff. They relied on him in big games, and he pitched he pitched very very well. He's more of a pitchability lefty. You know he'll work in the low 90s. On a good day, he might touch 95, but he works in the low 90s. He's more location. All He doesn't have big stuff. He has everything's average, maybe a tick above. Like, everything's around. He has a pretty much average repertoire, but he locates everything really well, and he's a gamer out there on the mound. So I think there's always a place for that, especially for left-hand starters. I think he's, you know, maybe a number four starter if, if all breaks right, but I definitely think uh, Anthony K is a big leaguer. So I, I don't think they uh, – I certainly wouldn't say they went wrong with that pick. So we talked about Dom Smith and him uh, lacking power. It certainly did not go for a lack of power with the third pick in the in the second round. Uh, Peter Alonso, power hitting first baseman. Uh, of course, the first question is uh, before we get to his talent ability is, is how quickly can this guy be ready? <laughs> well, he, he he's got so, he's got some mechanical things to work out in his uh, in his delivery there. So he's he's got a really like a really significant hitch in his swing that I think is really going to hurt him if it doesn't get ironed out prior to double-A, triple-A. Once he gets in the upper minors, he'll he'll get eaten alive if that doesn't really change. But if he can fix that, he'll be able to tap into his true true plus raw power. So you're talking about if he could iron that out a little bit and get his game going, you're talking about a 20-plus home run kind of guy. Like, the power is legitimate with Alonzo. So, you know, everyone always complains that the Mets don't draft for power. Well, they drafted for power here, so we just have to see if they could if they could work with him and fix his swing to really really get that power out of him. So the next guy on the list, uh, Blake Tiberi, uh, third baseman. Of course, it, uh, a lot of people just kind of cringe at hearing the Mets drafting a third baseman because it you know makes us all sad and think about David Wright. But um, drafting a third baseman out of college, how does he project? And is he actually somebody who could potentially take that position? Um. I question his ability to stick at third. Uh, I think he might end up either at second or maybe in left. But I, I think he, if, if he sticks at third, you're talking about probably an average defender maybe. Um, but he knows how to barrel a baseball. He could hit. He doesn't hit for a ton of power, even though he hit a home run yesterday on TV, which was you know a, a hanging breaking ball, and he crushed it. Um, but he's not, he's not a huge power guy, but he has a typical Mets mold. He's a good contact hitter. He has good knowledge of the strike zone, so he, he's he's a very uh, I would call him a very prototypical Mets draft pick. But I think he has a shot. Um, but you know you have to kind of see how the defense molds and if he turns any power in because to be able to play third you can't have minimal power. So he uh, he just needs he just needs to kind of get some pro at bats in and see kind of where he goes from there. But I think he has a shot. So you have to go down to the 11th round pretty much to find a high school player. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you feel the strategy is there in, in the first 10 picks being uh, 
being all of the college variety and specifically those top picks, how I mean, how signable are these guys? Well, I think they certainly want to win the New York Penn League championship. I think uh, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> but, the Cyclones uh, will be stacked. Cyclones will be stacked because they'll have Desmond Lindsay, the first pick from last year, and a couple other guys out there. So they're they're going to have a very good prospect roster. But I, there's no one in the top ten rounds that I think there's any chance doesn't sign. And I think you might get one or two that are not in Brooklyn. So I think the strategy they got some guys that'll help Brooklyn and some guys that's outside like Chris Vial, the six nine uh, right they took in the sixth round out of Stanford. He's a guy that can get up to ninety eight. Control's kind of a mess but he's got a starter's repertoire and he can, he could hit big velocity. So I think at the very least he may end up a bullpen arm. So he has a shot, but once they went outside the round, uh, top 10 rounds, the guys I'm looking at that I'm targeting for the most part, Matt Cleveland in the 12th round out of Windsor high school in Connecticut and 20th rounder, Carlos Cortez from Lake Howell high school in Florida. And Cortez is one that's very interesting to me because he's got a commitment to South Carolina, which is a pretty tough college commit to break from the draft. And he has a very interesting profile because he's a big time, big time hitter. No, I don't think there's anyone that scouts this that questions Cortez's bat. He's a top 100, 150 prospect in the draft that fell mainly due to signability concerns. But he plays second and he plays left field. The Mets drafted him as an outfielder. But what's fun is he, uh, when he plays second base, he throws right handed. When he plays left field, he throws left-handed. So he's an ambidextrous thrower. So he's a he's an interesting guy for sure. That, yeah. Wow. I, you know, I, I you know after uh, I think it was last season, uh, getting to see the switch pitcher pitch uh, when he was with Oakland. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, yeah. That, yeah, that's the one. And uh, I, I can honestly say I've never seen it done that way though. That that's yeah. Uh, and looking down at the list, I see bats left uh, throws throw switch. Yeah. It's always fascinating to me. Who would you say? I mean, looking at the lower rounds, signability aside, besides you know, besides the guys who, who you know, if you had to pick a sleeper pick uh, for somebody who fell more than you thought they would and has a legitimate shot at the major league level, who would that be? Well, I I, I kind of already mentioned him, but I really like Matt Cleveland. Uh, the Mets got a big look at him when he pitched at the Met Ball Classic, which they have at City Field every year, which is kind of like their own private thing, and they get all, all, all American kind of guys. And Cleveland, when he was at the Met Ball Classic, was up to 96, 97 at 6'5", 220. And for whatever reason, his, his velocity trended down a little bit this spring. So I think he's a guy that probably would have went in the top three to four rounds and fell to the 12th simply due to, I think, his stuff regressed a little bit for whatever that reason may be, hopefully he's not hurt. But uh, he's the kind of guy that I think the Mets will have to spend some of that bonus money, which I think they'll save from the top 10 rounds being all college guys. I think Matt Cleveland's a guy to keep an eye on. And then I also like Rylan Thomas, the third baseman they drafted in the 26th round. Yes, I was actually looking. I was about to say 25th. But Rylan, the 26th. And I think he, he's got – He's got some pop in his bat. I think he's he's a very exciting player. And you, if you want to look up on Twitter, there's a there's a nice video of him popping a home run with a really sweet bat flip. So can't go wrong with that. <laughs> well, in, unless you're Odor. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To give you an idea, I was in Texas last week, and they actually have T-shirts with Odor punching out Joey bats and says, "Don't mess with oh, Texas." God. 
It said, don't oh, mess God. with that. I was like, different planet, different planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I appreciate that. it, man. I guess, I guess, of course, the other question I have, you know, just going back to the minor league system, are, yep. are, you know, are, are there anybody, is there anybody coming up that you think you're capable of knocking in runs with players in scoring position? Well, RISP is a very specific skill set to have, so I'm not uh, <laughs> not sure who, who who can come up and do that because clearly that's a tr- that's a trouble at the major league level. But uh, I guess anybody's worth a try at this point, right? When it comes to that. So I mean, one of the things. Uh, my last question for you. I mean, obviously there there's always lots of talk about the you know the 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 five aces as it were. Of course, with Wheeler coming back mid-season and. Uh, You've got Harvey Degrom, Syndergaard, and Matt's in place, and of course the question of signability comes into play and and being able to keep them. And I think we all accept they're just not going to be able to keep everybody. Um, right. Who do, who do you think? I mean, whether it be Robert Selman or you know going down the list, you know Marcos Molina who's out this season. I mean, who is the mo- most capable of stepping in and being something resembling what we see out there right now? Um, I wouldn't say there's anybody in the system <laughs> that is currently signed. I think Justin Dunn has that upside to be something resembling. Um, but Zellman and guys like Gabriel and Noah, you're looking at back end guys, to be honest with you. So I, I don't, I don't think there's much that I'm looking at that is going to be front line kind of guys. So just keep as many of these guys as you can and um, build a normal rotation with back back end starters being in the back end. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, the worst thing in the world to have to build a normal rotation. Um, but you got guys like, and that's one of the reasons drafting guys like Dunn and Kay makes sense because these are, I think, big league starters going forward. And if they both are, you know, if you lose Harvey or you lose DeGrom, just don't lose Noah Syndergaard. That's all I'll tell you. Just don't lose that guy. And you're and, uh, from there, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I think the the theory I've thrown out as far as as far as Syndergaard goes is he's he's the guy you break the bank for, and Wheeler yeah. and Matt are the tr- guys you try to get because they've got the injury history and try to get them at a quote unquote hometown di- discount because they really want to be here. Uh, Degrom Grom would be too old from you know for me to want to sign long term, and Harvey's just well Harvey's just Harvey. Um, yeah. But the, the the other the other side of that is it's you know of course you know and I'm sure from your standpoint. You know, in your love of the minor leaguers, uh, prospect-wise, does it make you drool to think what we could get from Matt Harvey? I think I think if Harvey keeps on what he's been doing the last two, three starts here, um, and you get into the off season, I think you can get a real, real pretty uh, package for him, and that that'll be good because I think the the system has taken obviously a step back just simply due to graduation because a lot of guys just have come up, um, so the system's not quite what it was. However, you can quickly recoup that if you trade Matt Harvey. If, I don't, I'm not saying they should trade Matt Harvey necessarily, but, you know, when it comes to the winter, you know, go, when you're meeting at wherever the winter meetings are this year and you're in that hotel suite, you know, see, see what you can pry from someone. Because I'm, I'm thinking you'll get some of these big market teams, the Red Sox or Angels or, you know, Dodgers, get some of these big market teams involved. And I think you could get a serious, serious package for Harvey if he keeps it up as he's going right now. And that's kind of the thing. That's kind of one of those things. I replenish the system off of somebody like a Matt Harvey, and you know, especially now that Strasburg isn't going to be on the free agent market. I think if you're yeah. a team, you, you, at least if he keeps us up, you have to listen. I think. Yeah, you certainly have to listen, and if, and if nothing, 
meets your qualifications, there's no harm in keeping Matt Harvey around because he's, you know, he's pretty good. Yeah, he absolutely is. Well, Joe, I appreciate it always. I always appreciate our conversations, especially around draft time. If people want to check you out, where can they do that? Get me on Twitter at PSL to Flushing. Um, right now, working on a couple other projects that I think could be interesting and hopefully coming out soon. And if you follow me there, then you'll get all the details. I'm almost at 5,000 now. I'll tell you that. I saw that, which is pretty interesting. 5,000 people care about the draft. That's pretty much what I talk about. So pretty amazing. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate your insights, and I appreciate you, uh, as I always joke, doing the homework so I don't have to. <laughs> of course. That's what I'm here for, man. All right, Joe. We'll talk soon. Yes. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Happy Recap Radio Show. Thanks again to Joe DeMeo for coming in and joining us and talking about the Mets draft and all things minor leagues. Check us out on Twitter. You can find us at uh, the Happy Recap is EJ. The Real Hoove is me. And Ryan is Big Country Griff. Also find us on Facebook at The Happy Recap. And um, you can find us online at thehappyrecap.com. For EJ and Ryan, and special thanks again to Joe DeMeo, this is JB saying, let's go Mets.